Previously on the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Deion Sanders is the next head coach of Jackson State University. Michael Jordan with a new team coming to NASCAR. Come on, man. It's a 21-day race. Are you going to give me 30 seconds? I think Jackson State is one of the most storied programs in all of college football, not just in black college football. They have four Hall of Famers. Jackson is the mecca of black college football. But Cam has done everything Cam needs to do. I love Drew Brees. There's not a whole lot of meat left on that bone, and I it's like a boxer, man. You can't stay around a year or two too late. The Houston Texans 0-2 on the season. You have a offense full of China dolls. The team you beat had to make the dumbest decisions in the history of special teams. We believe in change and we're prepared for it with new techniques and new approaches. And as for our part, we feel that you're the best pieces of manpower available in this whole region. Let it go out there today, baby. Three, two. And once again, our mighty ship is back on course. Welcome to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Mama, there goes that man. You Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. So glad that you are here. And if you are returning, we certainly appreciate that. And we love having you back. And if this is your first time, strap in. It's going to be a fun show. And I am going to tell you several ways that you can be interactive and be a part of the Sports Talk with Devin Wade community. It's a group of us, right? You'll get to know one another, I suspect, over time with phone calls and other interactions. But with that, I'm going to tell you what we have coming up in just a little bit. But first, I want to tell you, you can go to the WagesWordProductions.com website and check us out, see what's going on, listen to past episodes, read about us, read all about what we have going on in various aspects of uh, media, whether it's uh, radio, whether it's some theatrical stuff, and of course, the podcast stuff. So all that's there. And of course, you can subscribe there to the email list and get emails about what we have going on in addition to that you can call us 24 hours a day and leave a message and you could be a part of the podcast but if you have questions comments thoughts on anything in the world of sports if you have requests if you want us to talk about a team if you want us to try to get a coach or a player on let us know 832-941-6614 now we know i know by looking at the numbers and uh, the analytics we have folks listening all over the country if you want us to talk about your team and your area your conference let us know and we'll delve into that we can do that hey we can mix it up we can make it happen so 832-941-6614 you can reach out to me on social media on twitter at wade's word w-a-d-e-s-w-o-r-d and of course on facebook the sports talk with devin wade page and group we post things there all the time other people post things about their favorite teams we have poll questions it's a really fun place to be interactive with that so if you've not listened before we're not like your usual podcast where we just turn it on and just go we have an entire show and that means we have segments we have headlines and each and every thursday we have a segment called why we kneel it's the reason why so many people are upset and in this fight for social justice including the players on the fields of play that we watch each and every day and kalina does that and we have that coming up and it's really poignant in light of what's happened over the last 24 hours so that's coming up 
Then we have a conversation with a guy who third world hard, uh, Santana Dotson, the Yates Lion, the Baylor Bear, the Tampa Bay Buccaneer, but most prominently Super Bowl winner with the Green Bay Packers. Santana will join us to talk about the Green Bay Packers, Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Jones and the gang, and we'll talk about a few other things. That's coming up. After that, we take a time out here from our sponsor and our resident DJ, and then I'll tell you how you can have your music played your mix played on this podcast so that's coming up in the second half we will get into i want to tell you guys a little bit about the late gail sears he passed away yesterday at 77 years old gonna tell you a story that has been haunting me not really but it's something that happened in when i met uh gail sears many many years ago then we're gonna tell you who's gonna have a great weekend who's gonna have a good day on sunday uh that's coming up uh, and that'll i'll tell you what teams and what players uh, to look out for i'm not gonna say bet on that's on you i'm not telling you to do that but i'm telling you who i'm betting on who i'm guaranteeing and uh, that's called a good day then we have the most popular segment the Lamont Award. That's when we recognize the big dummy of the episode. So that's coming up. A lot of folks skip right to that. They skip over everything else. Go listen to the Lamont Award first and then come back and listen to the rest of it. But hey, I want you to listen to the entire show and especially the Lamont Award at the end and then before I let go. So all that's coming up. So with that, let's get into some headlines. In headlines, so much is going on in the world of sports. We pick out a few things to talk about and focus on. And since we last came to you guys, a legend in the sport of football, Gail Sears, has passed away at the age of 77. As I mentioned previously, we're going to talk about Gail Sears a little bit later on. And we're going to talk about my date on Twitter as a result of the passing of Gail Sears or what I said about that entire situation and running backs in the NFL. So that's happening. Game four of the Western Conference final takes place tonight, and we'll see if Denver can tie this series up. And let's look at it this way. And so the narrative is, oh, the Denver Nuggets are barely hanging on. They just, oh, they're just so overmatched and so outclassed that they are barely hanging on. But what if we shifted the narrative? They really got out into a huge lead in the second half and in the fourth quarter before the Lakers almost ran them down. But they held on and they won that game, right? So they win game three. But in game two, it took an Anthony Davis shot with 2.6 seconds to give them the victory. 2.6 seconds. So why why isn't the narrative, man, the Lakers are 2.6 seconds away from being down 1-2 in this series? I mean, obviously, look, you cannot match the performance, the, the performance, consistent performance of Anthony Davis and LeBron James. You can't match that. But they have a really good team, do the Denver Nuggets, and they can compete. Now, it seemed like the Lakers were flat emotionally, and we've seen some chirping by the Lakers about the officiating on LeBron. So we might have 25 fouls in the first quarter against LeBron James. If you breathe on LeBron, he may get a call. So we have to watch that tonight to see if that takes place. In the Eastern Conference, the Miami Heat have taken a 3-1 to lead over the Boston Celtics. And, you know, I just can't motivate myself to get into the Miami Heat or the Boston Celtics for that matter. It just seems like this is an anticlimactic 
ending for a season which and I don't know that it's anticlimactic in the East other than if Milwaukee would have been there and maybe even Toronto but these teams uh, does anyone think that they can win the NBA championship against either the Lakers or the Nuggets I, I don't I don't so it's anticlimactic in the Eastern Conference because it would have been a great series to see Milwaukee versus Toronto but they got beat and, and Hey, that's what happened. So I'm not, you, I'm not begrudging teams that beat them. Not, not at all. But I'm just saying, as a fan, as a sort of casual fan of the Eastern Conference, I don't. Yeah, yeah. The Eastern Conference is the Eastern Conference. Everybody really wanted to see the Lakers versus the Clippers. That didn't happen. But this is a good, a good series. The Nuggets and the Lakers, especially if the Nuggets can come out and tie this series and really make it a series. So we'll we'll have to see what happens in the NBA, in the NFL couple things we talked about Tyrod Taylor uh, the, the big story really that transcends sports is Breonna Taylor and I have not forgotten that and we're gonna do a why we kneel and then I'll give you a few of my comments about that entire situation because it's such it's such a demoralizing thing it really is and, and I'll get into that a little bit later on but the NFL picks up again tonight with uh, the Jacksonville Miami Dolphins game so not mm, yeah you can take the night off unless you have a few dollars on the game. Uh, but, again, you may want to look at Gardner Minshew and see what he does and just see some of the young talent that Miami has. And I'll tell you what, Brian Flores is a quality coach in this league. So we can uh, look out for that. Uh, more games in college canceled. U of H, University of Houston, boy, they just cannot get a game. They're one of, what, I think they said four teams that agreed to play in the fall that have yet to play because of COVID. Either them, well, not even them, but it's their uh, their opponents that have problems, including Baylor. North Texas just got postponed. These guys have been working out and getting ready. For, I mean, they were just about to get on the bus to go to Waco to play Baylor. That game, the pull, plug was pulled on that game. And, again, we'll see more of the same. Notre Dame, will, Wake Forest is also a game that was postponed. As we see the MAC, I think they're going to try to resume. Swag's still playing in the spring. But a number of teams are trying to get it in, uh, a six-game schedule. They're just trying to get it in. I'm not sure. Things are not looking good in the way of COVID and COVID numbers as it continues to rise in certain states. So, nah, not a good time for sports and COVID. And that's really, really unfortunate. But the NFL is staying clean. And so that's a wonderful thing. So with that, let's shift gears and let's go to Kalina, our very own Kalina, who created this segment. She started this one uh, around the time that Colin Kaepernick could not get back in the NFL for taking a knee. And she vowed that she would boycott the NFL until he was back in the league. Now, the league has done everything but that. They've made financial commitments. They've made tangible commitments. They've made their venues available for early voting. They've done some things. They've made commitments to the community, and, and they've all but apologized to Colin Kaepernick. They apologized for really negatively looking at players for taking a knee. But what they have not done is found a place for that guy in the league, and that will never happen. So a lot of people are really uh, are probably going to stay away for a long, long time. But there was a reason why he knelt, 
And there's a reason why we kneel. Feeling the chilling moments that led to a police officer shooting. I mean, ultimately, it's to bring awareness and make people. Colin Kaepernick kneeling to protest social injustice and police. Yet unsigned by any NFL team. He's fired. He's fired. Why we kneel. In Fort Worth, Texas, Tatiana Jefferson was playing video games with her eight-year-old nephew in her home when she heard noises outside her window. According to her nephew, Jefferson grabbed her gun from her purse and pointed it at the window. Moments later, she was shot. Prior to this, a welfare call was placed to a non-emergency line stating Jefferson's front door was slightly open. The Fort Worth Police Department sent two officers to her home. They walked along the side of her house and into her backyard. Officer Aaron Dean saw Jefferson through the window, yelled for her to raise her hands, and shot Jefferson once. She was pronounced dead on the scene. Body cam footage did not show either officer announced their presence or that they were armed, nor could Jefferson's gun be seen due to the reflection of the officer's flashlight. Officer Dean resigned from Fort Worth PD before disciplinary actions could be taken. Two days later, Dean was arrested and charged with murder, the only officer to face this charge in Tarrant County for an on-duty shooting. He was indicted by a grand jury on December 20, 2019. Tatiana was a pre-med graduate of Xavier University, a caretaker, and 28 years old. A Tatiana is why we kneel. I want to thank Kalina for that and remind you guys that every Thursday during football season, we will be running this segment. Although not just football players, but athletes from all walks of life, not all, not just in the country, but all over the world are in this fight for social justice and black lives mattering. It's, it's such a demoralizing thing because... If you just look at it, it's not a complex thing. If you think about it like this, you are asleep in your bed. Doors locked. There's an intruder and you grab a gun to stand your ground in your home, in your domicile to protect yourself. And and she wasn't even the one that had the gun. But you, I mean, the natural instinct is to I have a weapon to protect myself and I am going to use that weapon because whoever kicked in the door did not properly identify themselves. Because let me tell you something. No, no black man in America is going to shoot at police officers when they know that they kicked in the door. There's, you know that there's no out. So clearly they did not adequately identify themselves. But just the thought that you can be in your bed sleeping. And they can come in and shoot up the place like the wild, wild west and nothing happens to anybody. Not nothing. I mean, so many things have gone wrong with this. I mean, the information, the, the source, everything. And, and if you want to look for a contrast, look at what happened here in Houston. Same thing. No knock warrant happened here. Kicked in the door. Guy grabs his gun. Shoots it out with the cops. I think he hit a couple of the cops. Him and his girlfriend or wife, whatever, are dead, killed. Two white people killed. Black officer. And they are prosecuting him to the fullest extent of the law. They're throwing him under the jail. They're throwing out all his cases. They're throwing, they, they've examined all his sources. And, and, and look, rightfully so, he was wrong. 
If uh, everything that they say is to be believed, and I guess he'll have his day in court. But again, same scenario, black cops, white victims. And guess what? <laughs> Their asses are under the jail right now, pending trial. And then you have this situation. And I think the outrage is a little bit muted because I think everybody knew what was going to happen. You're talking about in Kentucky. Here's the sad part about it. For so long, okay, people, you would tell people, people would, would tell their stories and you know, be like, oh, yeah, okay, well, something else had to happen. It, it wasn't just that. And now we start to see over and over again through the power of phone cameras and we get to see these things in real time, how they happened, how they unfolded. And you think as a, a person that buys into the belief of the tenets of American society, justice for all, we, you think, okay, now we're at a point in our history where you see it now and something will be done. We won't stand for this. The outcry has been immense for Breonna Taylor. It's been unbelievable. And it's so sad. It's so, so, it's so sad that, you know, stuff like that continues to happen. It, it just is. It, it just, you are in your bed sleep and nothing, nothing's going to happen. And so you indict the officer for shooting into the other apartment recklessly with disregard for life. This is why I get so tremendously frustrated about voting, about engaging in the system. It's so important to do that and inform yourselves. There are people in control of our lives that we are not, that we have control of who those folks are, who the district attorneys are, who the mayors are, who are, who are the, the governors, who are the people that write statutes. Who are the people that decide prosecution? You know, we, you, you cannot keep getting pushed around without engaging in the system. This, this is the system that's in place. Although we have a president that's not promising a peaceful transition of power. When he loses, he's setting it up now. Oh, no, oh, I don't believe that. I don't believe I lost. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. And we collectively, I don't care what your race, creed, color is, we better get engaged because there are things happening around us that are just tremendously dangerous and it could really ruin our, the world that we live in. It could ruin America, literally ruin America. It's a lot of crazy stuff going on. We have to engage. Black people especially have to engage. You no longer can just, uh, you know, pass by and breeze through life and think, oh, okay, it'll be, uh, you know, they're going to do what they're going to do anyway. Educate yourselves. Get involved in the process. It's so tremendously important. You cannot continue to be led and give your power away. Now, again, democracy is democracy. In some elections you win, some you lose. And, of course, it'll be hard to, change, to, to turn Texas blue. But you still have down ballot issues that are important that will affect your life. It's so obvious. It's not a grand secret. It's, it's not a conspiracy. It's not a Illuminati. This is it's right there. If voting didn't matter, they wouldn't try to suppress the vote. They wouldn't try to discount mail-in votes. They wouldn't try to do some of the things that they're doing 
to keep people from voting if voting didn't matter. So with that, let me sort of come out of that because I do want to bring in our guy Santana Dotson. Santana is a great guy, man. And just he does a, a lot of good things in, around the city of Houston. He's just a good dude, a good guy, and he's been a part of the show for quite a bit. And he's from Third Ward, and we we had a whole bunch of banter that I didn't include in this interview, but we had an opportunity to catch up with him and uh, had a great conversation. Here's our talk with Santana Dotson. Wanted to get you on to talk about a number of things, not the least of which are your uh, former Green Bay Packers Doing pretty well. I mean, there are a lot of sort of chaos in the offseason, at least from the media standpoint, when uh, the team really didn't choose to add to the arsenal for Aaron Rodgers, but instead chose his heir apparent. Are you surprised by the first couple of weeks of Green Bay Packer football? Uh, not not really surprised because I always felt like, you know, Aaron's a consummate professional. So I felt like he'd be really raring to go. You know, I think they were surprised with the draft picks. But at the same time, you know, I was telling in another interview I was doing, I said, you know, I played 11 years and every year they drafted a, a defensive lineman in the first three rounds. And for some reason, nobody was like, oh, my God, they drafted a defensive lineman. What's happening with Santana Dotson? But, you know, you, you do that at the quarterback position and everybody's up in arms. The fact of the matter is Aaron's I think he's going to his 15th or 16th year. He's been injured two out of the last three years. So, you know. Sooner or later, Father Time gets everybody. But at the same time, I think, you know, for us to get where we want to get uh, this year as far as the Packer Nation, it's going to take him being healthy to get us there. And they, they look real good out the box. Yeah, Aaron Jones, man, I think he is probably the most underrated premier running back in this league. 18 carries, 168 yards, and a couple of touchdowns Sunday. What about this guy? Tell us more about this guy because as much love as he does get, he doesn't get quite enough. Yeah, very true. You know, he reminds me of another Houston guy, and this is a big statement. I don't throw the name around loosely, but he reminds me a lot of, of the guy from Willow Ridge by the name of Thurman Thomas. Thurman is a Hall of Famer, and, you know, moreover, if you look and see what the, how they use Aaron Jones in the offense, then a lot of what they do is built around him lining up, not just in the backfield, but he's got great hands, and he's very elusive, and he is a breakaway runner. And that's a that's that's a big statement on the NFL field. He's a breakaway runner at every position. So any when you get him the ball, he's able to beat safeties up the field and definitely he's fast. He's one of the fastest guys on the field. And that's it's a big statement for a guy that runs in between the tackles. Well, we know about Devontae Adams. He's a little banged up, a little nicked up, but what about the rest of that receiving core? Well, how they perform to this point this year? The biggest question is gonna be the wide receiver corpse, but beyond Devontae Adams, and I think that's what surprised so many people, beyond Devontae, you've got a lot of folks that are, are unproven on the NFL roster. Now, they're very talented. They've got some speed, you know, at all of the positions, and they got some, you know, some guys that are 6'2 and 6'3. They're very sizable, but at the same time, they're not proven. So even if you look, if you watch Green Bay over the last two games, you know, they've had five drops and six drops uh, in back-to-back -back weeks as far as catchable balls. So we're going to need that to be shored up a little bit on that offensive side of the ball. Well, you look around that division, a couple of surprises. I would say Chicago being 2-0 and is a bit of a surprise. And conversely, Minnesota being 0-2. What's going on with the rest of that division? Detroit is kind of true to form these days, but what's going on in that division? 
Yeah, you know, I'm, 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 I, it's still early. You know, I, you know, everybody wants perfection, but perfection doesn't exist. I think if you look around in the NFL as a whole, you know, the fact that you didn't have a lot of off-season training activities because of COVID, like we talked about earlier, you did not have a preseason. So you got injuries and a lot of things that are happening in the first two weeks that are pretty much not consistent or not typical with an NFL season. So, you know, I feel like Minnesota should be there at the end. Detroit is still trying to find themselves. And Chicago has been a little bit of a surprise. So, you know, I still think that Green Bay should dominate that division. But there may be some surprises as the season goes along. Along those lines, when you talk about the lack of offseason, we saw what I call Bloody Sunday with a rash of high-profile injuries. Man, so many guys went out. Nick Bosa, Saquon Barkley, Christian McCaffrey, Garoppolo got shaken up. Uh, I mean, so many – Drew Locke, all of these guys – have gotten shaken up. I mean, a lot of big-time injuries. Do you attribute that to the lack of a, a preseason, a traditional preseason? Yeah, I would say not only preseason games, but the OTAs. Like I say, away from the scene, OTAs is 12 weeks, usually 10 to 12 weeks of football training activities, and that didn't happen this year with COVID. So are guys in shape and are they passing conditioning tests? Yes. But, you know, it's almost like getting that armor ready for the NFL season. And when you don't do that with the jumping, the hopping, the, the half pads, full pads, those type of full speed practices that the average fan may not see in the offseason. But I think you're seeing a lot of folks paying for it out the gate right now. want to ask you about the, the local team here, the Houston Texans. Uh, struggling and really struggling offensively. Defensively, they've been put behind the eight ball, but they haven't responded very well either. What are you seeing from the Houston Texans? Yeah, I think they're really struggling right now. You know, out of the gate, they uh, ended up pulling the short straw, meaning that they played the Super Bowl champion Kansas City. And we know what happened to them in the playoffs by Kansas City last year. And then you go up against Baltimore the following week, and they've got Pittsburgh this week. So those are those are three perennial playoff caliber teams so uh, i think that they're really playing the price for not being ready to play and typically if you watch the texans texans no matter who they play early in the season they typically and generally start slow so when you're playing people like that they're really gonna you know they're really gonna expose you on your out points or your miscues uh that you have on every side of the ball offensively defensively and special teams so Hopefully, we've got some talent. We've lost a lot of talent, which uh, everybody knows. But we've got enough talent in the Texas locker room to be consistent. They've just got to find their way, find a way to get there. I'll tell you what, man. Have you seen anything as ridiculous as what happened to the Atlanta Falcons Sunday? I mean, not only did they, they get the four turnovers and they had the 15-point lead and with four minutes, a little bit over four minutes left to play, but the onside kick, just that whole thing. What, 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 what Have you ever seen anything like that? Uh, you know what? Um, I'm going to say no, I hadn't seen it. <laughs> you know, a lot of people are rough on You know, a lot of that happens early in the season, and we were talking about it a little bit earlier today with some people. But let me tell you what happens with the hands team. That's called a hands team as, as far as onside kick receiving team. And the ball has to travel 10 yards. So most time the coach will say if it doesn't go 10 yards, you don't even have to touch it. And the way he kicked that ball, if when you watch it again, if you look at it, it kind of ponders there at the five-yard line, five yards into it, and then it kicks over to right at 10 yards. 
and then there's a mad scramble for the ball. So, you know, hindsight is always 20-20, and you would say now, well, hey, just jump on the ball. But that ball is shaped funny, and especially when it's spinning, it can bounce anywhere. So if you jump on it at five yards and you still don't get it, that's an issue. So most times the coach will say, don't even touch it until it gets 10 yards. I mean, I get it, but there's, I mean, obviously, football is, a, you have to have a, a brain. You have to think it out. I mean, reasonably, you had to say, you know, Hunter Hurst, uh, uh, had, somebody had to jump on that. I mean, I'm just, I, mean I, I get it. I understand it was not a traditional situation, but you're just going to sit there and watch it trickle. It just, it was horrible, and I think ultimately that'll be the, the death nail for Dan Quinn if they don't get that season turned around because they've done some great things. want to ask you about a couple quarterbacks. Russell Wilson, Cam Newton, Pat Mahomes, um, Kyler Murray. Jump in <laughs> on any of those guys. What, what do you think of the, the quarterback play this uh, this season Man, so far? I, I think the, I mean, I think the, there's nobody better in the game now than Russell Wilson. He's jumped. But, you know, he's been in that offense for a long time now, and he has mastered the offense of what Pete Carroll and the Seahawks want to do. You know, they're going to they want to be run first, and uh, they're going to throw deep bombs and balls second. And uh, when they beat you up a little bit up front, then they're going to start going deep, and they got a grown man. Uh, it's 6'4", 230, 240 pounds running up the sidelines. So, yes, emerging um, superstar. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> exactly. So they're doing some real good things. And with Russell Wilson there, he's, you know, half the time at the quarterback position or any position on football field, it's like just don't hurt the team. And if you watch Russell Wilson, he he doesn't turn the ball over much, and he always keeps the chains moving. So whether he's moving his feet, or throwing a check down pass. He does a great job of putting them in winnable situations as far as the Seahawks. Always putting them in a second and sh- second and second and short, a third and short, makeable first down so they can keep the chains moving. So I would have to say, you know, the season is young. We're only two weeks into it, but I don't think anybody's doing it better than Russell right now. Wanna ask your thoughts and I and I want to get to some NFL PA stuff a little bit, just a couple things. The numbers are astounding. No positive COVID tests in the NFL. As politically correct, but honest at the same time, what do you think of those results? Yeah, I think I mean I, I think they're doing a good job. Uh, they you, you think very the numbers? Hard. You think the numbers are legit? Yeah, I think the numbers are legit. I think the numbers are legit. I don't think that that they're not skewing the numbers because I mean. If, if you were somebody testing positive, or even if your teammate is past testing positive, you know, nowadays everything is out front and center with social media. So there's so many ways you can find out about it. That being said, I think they're doing a great job but, um, of testing the guys. They're testing daily, you know, and also they're segregating or working out in different groups to make sure in the event that somebody comes down and contracts a virus that they can isolate it and segregate that group right away so they you know they're, they're putting everything and they're putting everything into play that they can right now and they're doing a good job at it but again we're still young into the season so i hope and pray for everybody that's sitting at home and doing the right stuff is that they can get through a whole 14 14 more weeks of a 16 week season yeah and i know that dealing with covid and athletes we've had a cardiologist on and i know that that is something that a lot of people are talking about to varying extents. I want to ask you about that. I mean, you have a daughter. We talked about that before on the podcast. You have a daughter who plays volleyball for the University of Oklahoma. How are you feeling about that so far? Yeah, I mean, so far, good. You know, they're, they're trying to get into their season volleyball-wise. This upcoming week will be their first week of games. 
you know, and, and of course, as a as a young adult, they're chomping at the bit and excited about getting into the games. And you just talk to them as a parent to make sure they're focused on the hygiene that's involved with it and make sure that they're doing the things they're supposed to do, not to contract and come down with anything, you know. And the problem with college is, is there's just no consistency right now. So, you know, everybody's looking in, at the bottom line and they want to play the games and things like that. But if there's no consistency, then, you know, if Oklahoma's playing another team or uh, traveling, you know, what happens if they don't have in, in effect the same practices and policies and procedures that they're doing? So you're just hoping for the best. And again, if somebody if somebody comes down and contracts a virus, make sure they're upfront with it. So you can do the things to make sure it doesn't spread. Well, we've seen a lot in college football with a lot of cancellations, including your Baylor Bears. They were supposed to take on U of H. What do you think about the college football season? Because it's been a sort of hodgepodge of of just playing this week, not playing. Notre Dame today's postponed the game. Uh, What do you think about the college football scene? Yeah, I I think it's going to be it's it's a mess as it is for them to even get into it if they can get a season. I think it's going to be very hard for them on, on the college scene to get a full season in. But again, I think as far as college is uh, concerned, that this may be one of the best opportunities to focus on the point of is it an amateur? Is it amateurism? Is it really a student athlete? Or is it play for pay? You know, this may be an opportunity that these uh, players can finally get the considerations that are needed because we can tell how much it, it really means to the bottom line of these colleges and football. I want to ask you about uh, the newest college football coach, Deion Sanders. What's your take on him joining the SWAC and uh, being the head coach of Jackson State? Man, I think that's outstanding. I'm excited for Dion. I'm excited for the SWAC and the whole, you know, we all want to make sure we represent our schools in the right way, and those are our schools. Our parents went to those schools. Our grandparents went to those schools, and we want to see them do well. So when you can add a name like Deion Sanders to the fold, it's going to automatically turn that into a marketplace, and it's on automatically uh, when he when he puts a phone call in, he's going to have kids pick up the phone and see at least have a conversation. And I don't think Jackson State has had anything like that, maybe not even in its, in its existence. So it's going to be a big deal, and I think it's going to be good for college football. Well, do you think that he is committed long-term to this? Because coaching is hard, and it's not very glamorous, and it's you know you can't just jet set and do the things that he's accustomed to doing as a celebrity in our culture. Can he make the transition? Yeah, I mean, I think so. If you if, if one thing I know about Dion, he's never taken any decision and moved into it lightly. So he understands what comes with it. He's been really honestly working with the youth since he retired. And everybody knows about his youth football program. He's been working with the youth in its entirety um, since he retired. That's one of the things he really enjoys doing and is passionate about. So I think he's just transcending to the collegiate level. And uh, even if you watched his comments after he took the job, he was talking about being on a 10-year program. So he wanted to be there for at least 10 years and and really build up their situation. So I I think he's committed to it. Well, I I hope so because, again, being in the swag, covering the swag for 30-plus, well, 25-plus years, uh, you know, it'll be great to see that sleeping giant awaken because, look, Jackson State, as I said a couple times on the podcast, I went to a game where they played Southern. It was 55,000 people there, and it was the most unique, beautiful thing that I had ever seen. I had never seen anything like that uh, when when it comes to black college football. 
But I want to ask you before we get out of here, you're doing a lot of stuff with the NFL PA, with the retired players. How is that working and what, how are you helping the NFL PA in that way? Well, you know, a lot of in the capacity of we work with a lot of former and current players with activities and social events. So a lot of the things that we're talking about and doing now is trying to get used to the new normal. You know, the new normal meaning that, you know, social distancing and being social, social while you're distant, you know, because a lot of the things we've done before previously is rallying the guys around community events and being community resources to our prospective communities. So how do we do that now, whether it's a Zoom call or if we do an event, how to make sure it's done in the right way with masks and, san- you know, make sure sanitizer and all that, those things like that are involved. So, you know, t- 2020 has been rough on everybody, yes. uh, but yeah. we're trying to make sure as we get coordinated to make sure we do the best things as we close out the season as well as get into 2021. Hey, man, well, I really appreciate it. How can folks reach out to you on social media? Man, all the time. You can find out what's going on with me and what's going on with my foundation as well as the former players at NFL in the Houston area just by tuning in to Santana Dotson at Twitter. All right. At Santana Dotson on Twitter is the way to catch up. Uh, so what does Oklahoma's volleyball team look like this year? Are they going to be good? Man, they, they jump out the gate. I don't know how much y'all know about volleyball, but they've got University of Texas this weekend. So they jump right into the fire. University of Texas is typically one of the meanest dogs on the porch or in the yard. So yeah, they, they got their hands they got their hands full this weekend going against UT. I wanna say wasn't um Baylor was really good. There were a couple teams in the Big Twelve. Yeah, Baylor, Baylor was very good. The last two, three years Baylor's been good. So well, um, yeah, well, we'll see. Yeah. I'll, I'll keep an eye out for and it. And I think that I believe Baylor is number one this year. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to be it's going to be fun. Y'all tune in. She's, yeah, she's going to get tested early on, huh? She's going to get tested early on. You're right, because she's got University of Texas this week, and then Oklahoma goes down and plays my alma mater, Baylor, next weekend. So I'll report back to you, let you know how it went. Hey, man, <laughs> we appreciate the time as always. All right, man. Y'all take care. I want to thank Santana for joining us. And I tell you what, uh, yeah, he's from Third Ward. I'm from South Park. So they they were rival neighborhoods. Uh, it, Jones was my home high school. Didn't go to Jones, but all my friends, everybody on my street went. Everybody in my neighborhood went to Jones. So they were our arch rivals. We talked a little bit about that, but uh, great insight on the Green Bay Packers. Always great to catch up with him, and we'll have to keep an eye out on that Sooner volleyball. I didn't even give him a hard time about her leaving the state of Texas. You know, I, I'm, I get in my feelings about that one, too. But uh, nonetheless, hey, I'm rooting for her, if not for the Sooners. Uh, with that, let's take a time out here from our sponsor, Cobank Homes, and our resident DJ, DJ Anarchy. This is the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast, anywhere you get your podcast. Sports Talk with Devin Wade wants to thank our sponsor, Kofi Bankus and CoBank Homes. The vision at CoBank Homes is simple, and it stems from the belief that clients can trust CoBank to guide them to realize one of, if not the single largest investment decision they will ever make, their home. CoBank simply looks to build lifelong relationships through service. They do this by using faith, knowledge, and technology to guide clients through the process of achieving their real estate goals. Be it buying, selling, or investing in real estate, contact Kofi at 832-757-7950. That's 832-757-7950. CoBank Homes through Keller Williams.
Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Our resident DJ, DJ Anarchy on the mix. You can find him on SoundCloud and check him out on Instagram. He is cold-blooded and we certainly appreciate having him. want to remind you, if you have music you'd like us to play on the podcast, just email us, music at wadeswordproductions.com. That's music at wadeswordproductions.com. And we will get a snippet of it on at the halfway point and an entire track at the end of the show or an extended portion of a mix. So all that is uh, available to you guys. The genre is not important. We have folks who like all types of music and you can reach an audience uh, a pretty diverse audience from all over the country primarily in houston but all over the country so you can do that music at wadeswordproductions.com couple of uh, stories in the news not only did the officers who shot and killed Breonna taylor get off also robert Kraft's uh, prostitution charges were dropped yeah you remember that one that was the one some folks thought i was gonna get him kicked out of the league no, not so fast. <laughs> Charges were dropped. And and those things, they, they're totally unrelated. But again, money, power, the right complexion for protection. And and then you have uh, the lack of justice in the Breonna Taylor case. But again, you can give me your thoughts on that. And I know folks don't always like it when we go into these sorts of things. But these things they delve into the world of sports because our athletes are affected because they are part of these communities so there's that the other thing we mentioned i mentioned earlier the passing of gail sears and so there's these (laughs) the gail sears story that has followed me around for a while and and, and i'm gonna tell you who did this former houston oiler pat coleman pat coleman started this and has grown this thing through the years way 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 out of proportion so I had a chance to meet Gil Says many years ago at the Woodlands TPC. He was there, and I have told this story before, and probably not so long ago. What happened was I was invited to go and play in this golf tournament with the NFL Alumni Players Association or whatever. It was the it was an NFL thing, a bunch of current and former NFL guys. This was a big one out at the Woodlands. And had a chance to play. And then you, you know, go into the clubhouse afterwards and then get ready for the banquet or whatever. Go to the restroom, wash my hands on my way out. On my way out, coming in was Gil says. <laughs> okay. So, and let me explain this. Okay. I'm not from Chicago, not a Bears fan. I'm a Brian song fan and I'm a Gil says fan because you see the highlights. So, and, and I was talking to somebody the other day, you, you always look up to the folks who were looked up to, or you looked up to when you were a kid. 
like LeBron and all these guys, especially because I'm in the media. I, it's no, I've interviewed, I've been in on interviews with Jordan. I've been interview in on interviews with you know, anybody with Houston teams, Barkley, Drexler, Lajuan, all of those people. And I've met a lot of my sports heroes. Met and interviewed Sugar Ray Leonard. Met Jim Brown, interviewed uh, Jim Brown, Deacon Jones before he passed away. And, and so I've had an opportunity. I've talked to Jerry Rice. I've talked to some of the greats to ever do it in a lot of different areas. And, and, but there's something about those guys. Those, are, those guys are in the pantheon. Those guys are, are in the, 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 uh, the, the hall of the gods of football. And you have to understand how much I grew up loving football. And it was him and Jim Brown and Buckus. And and then later as a kid, we got Earl Campbell. And, man, I'm telling you, I I remember the first time I met Earl Campbell was in the club. And I was drunk and too friendly. And I was like, "Er," you know, he was just having a drink. I just wanted to meet him. I mean, he wasn't rude. And I wasn't too over the top. I wasn't. uh, But I, I remember, like, I probably stayed a few minutes, and, and it's just it goes back. And I've had a chance since then to interview Earl at the Super Bowl. So uh, I've had a chance, but with this situation, so I'm co- leaving out of the restroom. In comes Gail says, so I'm like, that's Gail said, and it also made me excited because I knew my dad would be excited. And so here I am at this thing, and I'm like, I actually waited for him to come out of the restroom. And asked him for his autograph. And, I mean, I know that that was a bit much. That was over the top. I get it. I understand. But he was right there. I mean, I, I waited outside. I didn't wait inside. But if you, if PC, t- if Pat Coleman tells the story, or Haywood tells the story, they, they, and, and so those, these are my boys right now. They Both of those guys are in the league at the time, winning games, getting national exposure, you know, and Haywood in his case, he you know really popular around the country. PC popular all over the city. Those guys are huge, and I'm like, yeah, whatever, man. Y'all get out of the way. That's Gail says, and they will never ever let me forget it. Haywood called me yesterday, and he said, uh, "Hey, man, uh, I know you're not gonna wash your hand again. The, the hand that shook uh, Gail says hand. I say, hey, man, it's too soon. Too soon." Leave me alone about Gail says. But just, and look, I don't think, I think very, very early on in this podcast, I did a bit where I included or imitated Billy D. Williams uh, portraying Gail says in Brian's song. And, you know, I love Brian Piccolo. <laughs> I mean, it's not very good now. I have to work on that. I'm going to work on that and do it again. But what resulted was, I posted my top five running backs in NFL history. And here's my list. And let me qualify some of that. So my list, number one, Jim Brown. Number two, Barry Sanders. Number three, Gail says. Number four, and this is what I said. Number four was Earl Campbell. And I'm going to tell you why. And I said, I promised my 11-year-old self that any time I ever had a list of best running backs, Earl Campbell would be on it, no doubt. I love Earl Campbell. I am a Earl Campbell fan and love you, Blue, and all of that. So he's going to be on any list. And, and I can justify some of it. And if he played today, he would have load management. And he wouldn't have been running to the ground like he was. 
I mean, he was – and I don't think he ever played in his prime with a Pro Bowl offensive lineman. I bet you he didn't. I bet you he didn't. I, I, maybe later on he did, but he may not have ever played with a, a Pro Bowl offensive lineman. And to my recollection, I don't think he – Pastorini wasn't a Pro Bowl quarterback during those prime years. He was considered a good quarterback, but I don't think – uh, the years that Earl was there, I don't think Kenny Burroughs went uh, to the Pro Bowl. So he didn't have a lot of offensive help around him. I'll have to ask Ronnie Coleman about that. But so, uh, and so anyway, I, that, he's at four. At five, I had Walter Payton and Adrian Peterson tied. I kind of cheated on that one. And, and I can justify that. I took Adrian Peterson because Adrian Peterson, had, both of them has, have had eight 1,000-yard seasons. Adrian Peterson has led the NFL in rushing three years. How many years do you think Walter Payton led the NFL in rushing? One year, 1977. Not only that, Adrian Peterson missed a year, a, uh, almost an entire year. He played in one game and got hurt in that game and missed an entire season in his prime. Still came back to put up remarkable numbers. And if you have, the, if he had that whole season, and again, if if was the fifth, we'd all be drunk. Blah blah blah. I get it, but I'm just saying, he did. He still, it, with all the, the numbers being relatively comparable, he still missed a, a year in his prime. Two thousand yard rusher. Now there were other names that came up. Of course, Emmitt, which I never will never put on the list. Curtis Martin, I will never put on the list. Frank Gore is third in NFL history in rushing. Wouldn't put him on the list. Wouldn't put a guy that I think OJ has a case. OJ Simpson is a guy that has a case. People threw out the name Marshall Falk, but people were really upset about the Walter Payton thing. He really upset about that. But hey, man, make your case. That's all I can say. You can hit me up at Wade's Word on Twitter at Wade's Word on Twitter. Now, in addition to that, I did a top five all-time Texas running backs list. So on that list, I had Earl Campbell, and I forget the order, but it was Earl Campbell, Ladanian Tomlinson, Eric Dickerson, who a lot of people made a case for him in the top five. Adrian Peterson, Earl Campbell, Ladanian Tomlinson, Thurman Thomas, and Eric Dickerson. Those were the five from Texas. Then somebody brought up Johnny Bailey's name. But if you're talking high school football, that's a different conversation. And Johnny Bailey would definitely be in on that list. But definitely want to uh, send thoughts and prayers out to the family, friends, and fans of Gil Sears. Man, I, and again, I didn't go into the restroom. I didn't stalk him, and I didn't hang out. I, I mean, I guess I did hang out outside the restroom. But, I, you know, he washed his hands, I'm sure. So, so <laughs> that's my Gil Sears story. And PC, I don't get what PC says about it. I, I did not stalk that man but it was a it was a thrill and i actually got an autograph for my father and he really really liked that that's a big big deal so uh and those are good good times and good things but hey doesn't end there for more content go to wadeswordproductions.com want to change up here and start looking towards Sunday's action in the NFL. But before we go forward and tell you who's going to have a good day, 
I want to tell you about last week. So last week I had a pretty good week. I was four for four on my team picks. I picked the Seattle Seahawks over the New England Patriots. I picked the Rams over Philadelphia. I picked the Ravens over the Texans and my upset special, the Raiders over the Saints. I got that one right. My four players that I picked last week were Lamar Jackson. He did work. He had a pretty good day last week. Uh, He didn't have the kind of day I thought he would, but he had 258 total yards in a victory over the Texans. Mark Ingram was the only one that didn't quite do what I thought he would do. He did have nine carries for 55 yards in a win, but he wasn't even the leading rusher on the team that day. Gus Edwards on Sunday was the leading rusher. Robbie Anderson was a guy I talked about. I, I said he was going to have a good day, and indeed he did. Nine receptions for 109 yards, and Matt Ryan was the other one. He had 273 yards and four touchdowns. Now, we know he lost the game, but that was not his fault. I mean, there are a lot of reasons why they lost that game, but he did work 273 yards and four touchdowns so what about this week If you're looking for teams that are going to have a good day on Sunday, start in Foxborough, Massachusetts, as the New England Patriots host the Las Vegas Raiders. The Raiders are coming off of that big Monday night win, have to travel across country. Cam Newton is going to get it done in a big way and going to have a good day. Pittsburgh Steelers, they take on the Texans. The Texans have not shown any signs of life, and I think the Steelers will have a good day versus the Texans. The Seattle Seahawks, man, they will keep rolling. Russell Wilson, the real MVP this year. Still early, but he's doing his thing versus the Cowboys. He's going to have a good day. The Baltimore Ravens, I think this game is more important than Baltimore than Kansas City. But the big game of the week, I think the Baltimore Ravens will beat the Kansas City Chiefs. And then my upset special, I think, look, the 2-0 Chicago Bears go to Atlanta. That offense keeps rolling in Atlanta. I think they're at their lowest point if they have any fight in them. The Atlanta Falcons will fight back in a big way, and I think they're going to have a good day on Sunday. If you're looking for players, Mitchell Trubisky, despite the fact that I think his team is going to lose, I think he's going to have some good numbers versus Atlanta. That defense is trash. We saw what Dak Prescott did against them. I think it'll happen again. Phillip Rivers. He takes on the New York Jets at home. I think he's going to have a good day. He's finding some targets, and I think he will put up some good numbers for them. Leonard Fournette. Leonard Fournette, I told y'all, I told the Silver Fox, this guy is going to have a good day versus Denver. Had over 130 yards rushing last week, and I think they will get it done on the road doing it again. Russell Wilson. I... Seattle's rolling, DK Metcalf is rolling, Jamal Adams is rolling, but nothing happens unless it happens with Russell Wilson. He's going to have a huge day versus the Dallas Cowboys. Not just a good day, a huge day. And finally, Aaron Jones is going to have a good day versus the New Orleans Saints. He's coming off a week where he got off. He did work last week with one TD reception, two rushing touchdowns, 68 yards receiving, and 168 yards rushing. He is going to have a good day. 
Now, I'm not telling you to bet on any of those. I'm just telling you, these are the people that are going to get off. These are the teams that are going to get off. If you want to use it for gambling purposes, that's on you. If you want to use it for fantasy football purposes, that's on you. It's not on me. I'm just giving you my two cents. This is not an endorsement. I'm not telling you to rush down to your bookie and do it. But these folks are going to have a good day. And as always, if you have a comment on that, hit us up, 832-941-6614, 832-941-6614. Get in on that, and you can hit me on Facebook, Sports Talk with Devin Wade, Page, and Group. There are other players who are going, and teams that are going to have big weekends, but those were the five in each category that I picked out. Hey, I could have picked out some tight ends. You're talking about Tyler Higby. You talk about a guy like Mo Alley-Cox in Indianapolis. He had a big afternoon. Jonathan Taylor for Indianapolis first start, 101 yards, one touchdown. Jordan Reed, he did some good things. But, again, you could have pointed out to a number of guys. Stephon Diggs was another guy that had a good day last weekend that could have a good day this Sunday. But give me your feedback on that. But with that, it's time for... The Lamont Award. I don't want to wish you no bad luck, but I hope your ship sinks. With no lifeboats and no life preservers and a school of piranhas surrounding you, you big dummy. The Lamont Award goes to the player team entity, someone in or around the world of sports that we deem to be the big dummy of the episode. Well, this time, I, this one is kind of serious. And now last week, uh, no, not even last week. I'm getting my days mixed up now that we're doing podcasts all the time. But on Tuesday, we have a segment called Still Called the Blues. And I said Tyrod Taylor had the blues because he had a bad break in that he was injured briefly in his career at Cleveland. That ushered in the Baker Mayfield era a lot sooner than anticipated. Maybe, maybe three weeks, maybe two weeks, maybe, maybe six weeks. I don't know. But it still ushered in the Baker Mayfield era and ended his career essentially in Cleveland. Now he goes, he's supposed to be the starter in seeing in not San Diego in Los Angeles for the Chargers and he's about to start his second game and he was held out because he had chest pains and so I'm like man what a bad break he still has the blues we found out late Tuesday or Wednesday that what really happened was that team doctors who were injecting him with painkillers for cracked ribs accidentally punctured his lung with the needle now wrap your head around that they punctured his lung with the needle. So now he's out. He's not career ending, not even season ending, but he's out for a minute while they try to work that out. And the high draft pick, Justin Herbert, came in and did work. And he'll be starting again this week for the Chargers. And we may not. Although head coach Anthony Lynn says that we will see Tyrod Taylor again when he's healthy, which they owe him that now. That may change if Herbert has a couple of a couple more 300-yard games under his belt and they get a couple of victories. So, uh, yeah, this is a bad break for that young man. And we know the inevitable is this is going to be Herbert's team, but is that 
this year, next year, late in the season, when they're out of contention, you know, if they believed in Tyrod this whole time, they said, okay, he's a he stopgap until the Justin Herbert uh, era begins, but we have enough talent here to make a run at the playoffs. And they do. The Chargers do. If they didn't turn the ball over so much with Phillip Rivers last year, they were a clear playoff team. I mean, really a good quality team in many, many areas, although they've had some bad injuries this year as well. But I say all of that to say you – cannot do this if you're a doctor and we know that medical mistakes happen all of the time but we don't need conrad murray on the sideline you don't need to get injured by your own guys and they need to take care of this guy in a major way they won't even name the doctor so i haven't been able to find his name i don't know his name i don't think it's conrad murray but if you don't know who conrad murray is he's the guy that killed michael jackson now inadvertently whatever yes he's the guy and whatever so i and that still that bothers me still but i feel it was so bad for tyrod taylor that he had to deal with this kind of idiocracy so for the doctors uh, you know hey man did you guys not play operation i'm not a doctor and i don't even play one on on the podcast but i can tell you this you cannot make that mistake and injure this man and potentially cut his career short you can't do that and for that reason Los Angeles Charger team doctor, you are a big dummy. You big dummy. (laughs) (laughs) Now, again, this is sort of a recurring theme with team doctors and, and players not trusting team doctors. The players union is investigating this. This is a very serious thing. It's unfortunate. I really, really hate it for Tyrod Taylor. Seems like a great guy, and we hope that he can get on the field real, real soon and do his thing. And, again, Justin Herbert did work last week. So, again, it's going to be hard to get back on the field if he keeps doing that. But we hope that this isn't the end of his career, and Anthony Lynn can honor his word that when Tyrod is healthy, he'll be the starter again, at least for now. We know that this is the team that Justin Herbert will take over for the next 10 years, they hope. I mean, if he's a quality quarterback, but that's the guy that they believed in. That's the guy they are invested in in the future. And so uh, we just hope that Tyrod can finish strong and maybe find somewhere else as a journeyman quarterback uh, to work next season. So a lot, lot going on there, but, you know, we'll follow that closely. But with that, before I let go. Before I let go, I hey, want to thank you guys for tuning in. want to thank our sponsor, Cobank Homes. want to thank our resident DJ, DJ Anarchy. want to thank Kalina for Why We Kneel. And I want to thank our guy, Santana Dotson. Just a reminder, you can call us 832-941-6614. That's 832-941-6614. And, of course, follow us on Twitter at Wade's Word and the Sports Talk with Devin Wade page and group on Facebook and the WadesworthProductions.com website where you can subscribe to the email list. All that and more. But remember, more than anything, please always remember these four things. Number one, I don't do no favors after 6 o'clock in the evening. Two, I ain't got no money. Three, I'm not harboring any fugitives from justice. And four, bye. (laughs) This has been the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Remember, you can follow him on Twitter at Wade's Word, thank you for listening.